Welcome to episode 41 of the Bloatbusters podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Brian. Today we're going to be talking about Interstellar, the new Christopher Nolan film. First though, I just want to go over, make sure that you find us on Facebook at Blokebusters, on Twitter at Blokebusters. Uh, we do have a website, which is blokebusters.webs.com. It's not updated a huge amount, mainly because I seem to be having trouble with it right <laughs> but now. But it is a thing. It is yeah. there. It exists. And our email is blokebusterpodcast at gmail.com. And anyone that wants to get a hold of us, we will respond to. So Absolutely. Do feel free. All right. So, Interstellar. Directed... By Christopher Nolan. Yes, sir. In case you weren't aware, which anyone listening to this probably was very aware, but still, he had to say that. The budget was $165 million, and the box office, as of eight days after release, $204.1 million. So, not too bad. Not too bad, and I'm sure That's it'll. It's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so, what is this film about, Brian? That's an excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) But, this little website I have pulled up, I'll just tell you what they think. Okay. (laughs) A team of explorers travel through a wormhole in an attempt to find a potentially habitable planet that will sustain humanity. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, about a third of the film, maybe, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, what it's actually about, I'm still trying to piece that together. (laughs) Yes, well, I'm sure we'll get into the complexities of this film, yeah. or as much as we can not as being as physicists. Yes, yeah, as much as my brain allows me to understand. <laughs> but let's go over what we normally go over first, the cast. The wonderful cast, yes. yes. So, so, first off, we have Matthew McConaughey as Cooper. Continuing the McConaissance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the McConaissance is still in full effect. Yeah. Now, I couldn't figure it out. Is Cooper his first or his last name? Because I'm fairly certain it was his last name. Yeah, because the kid's last name yeah, is... Murph's last name is Cooper. Cooper yeah. So unless his name is Cooper Cooper. Unless he's really that stupid. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever gets him first his first name. name yeah. Which is interesting. I, I like that. that yeah. Because I, I went on to... Well, do we get a first name for Brand? I mean, I know uh, I'm jumping ahead here, but... The, um, the Professor, No. The daughter, no. yes. Uh, I, I went on to Wikipedia and IMDb to look for the name, and his name is just Cooper on both. So, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where in the script he has a first name, but nowhere else would they ever put it. It doesn't bother me. I mean, yeah. Edward Norton didn't even have a name in Fight Club. Yeah. Very true. The narrator. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good old narrator. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, well, Amelia Brand, we oh, have you the... Had uh, yeah. oh, oh, okay, yeah, Amelia, so, yeah. So that mm-hmm. would be the... Uh, yes. You might only hear that once, though, I think. Yeah, I think... She's just I, referred to Brand as the rest, through the, the rest yeah, of the film. Yeah, it's one of the... Most of the people in this film actually are only referred to by one name. Which, I the mean, majority. they're, you know, pilots or NASA. Yeah, yeah. they're either going to go by a nickname or your last name. Yeah, and it's fairly normal, even for regular people. You don't always go up to someone mm-hmm. and say, oh... Oh, hi, Brian Klosterman. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Shh! I know my name! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, now someone's going to find you. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> anyway, so, Anne Hathaway playing Amelia Brand. Now, what was your... Tolerable. Okay. <laughs> Above tolerable, I'll put it. Fair enough. I was trying to think about it for a while afterwards, and I actually think she's perfectly cast in the role. 
because her character is that sort of you can't quite get a bead on exactly what she's after and I don't think there's a lot of actresses that would have been able to play it off quite like she did so I think definitely pulling from her Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises there though where she's just kind of aloof at times but yeah I yeah, I don't know I'm, yeah, I'm, I, in my opinion I'm so, <laughs> I'm so just neutral about her most of the time like Catwoman was probably the my favorite her uh, favorite role so right. far of hers I don't know I'm not saying it's my favorite role at all I just but, think uh, that um, well I I am <laughs> but uh, I don't know she carried the weight of the role I think yeah. fine yeah I'm sure if someone else had taken the role they would put their own spin on it and then I would say oh that person seemed perfectly cast mm-hmm. in it but I mean she served the purpose of that role well enough I think I mean it wasn't her story so that's you know I'm not asking her to do too much no, <laughs> but, yeah who, who do you have after that alright after I that I, I wrote down the Professor Brand oh okay yes the, uh, the wonderful Michael Caine mm-hmm. yes. whose job it is just, just to pop up in films and be smart yeah <laughs> to be smart and the and maybe it, shifty, maybe more but, on that later. <laughs> a little shifty, and in in this case, anyway, the uh, literal father figure as well, yes, being the father of Amelia Brand. Mm-hmm. Next, I had written down, and the only reason this guy was next was because I I already knew of the actor quite well, John Lithgow John as, as Donald, yeah. the father-in-law. Yes, and uh, grandpa he, to Murph and Tom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not in it a huge amount, but I thought he did well. Quite his well. scenes were, yeah. I mean, I love Lithgow. Yeah, he's awesome. It was John Lithgow doing real serious stuff, which you don't see very often. Like I most know him from *The Book from the Sun*. He was also in. Oh well. Odd things here. Obviously, you have Santa not seen Claus. Dexter with him as the Trinity Killer. <laughs> I, I, I have not. Yeah, okay, yeah. That is pretty damn dark <laughs> and pretty serious. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. what else? I know him from the Santa Claus film. Not the Tim Allen Santa Claus, but the original Santa Claus, the movie, where he uh, plays like the owner of this toy company that's like, Woohoo, yes, I'm going to basically take over the world well, using toys. He's children. been in lots and lots of great <laughs> movies that were in the you know, 80s and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was. I'm always happy to see him show up. Yeah, he, he always does a, a good performance of whatever character he's got, and I think he did really well in this one, even though he wasn't on screen a huge amount of time. No, no. <laughs> At 2:49, you, yeah, you gotta spread spread the love around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you have next? Uh, next, I have person playing the mid-age version of Murph, Miss Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Yes. yes. I could not. Are you kidding me? I recognized her. Are you kidding me? It it wasn't. It wasn't popping into my head. Like you're gonna have to. The help. Zero dark thirty. Neither of which I've seen. Oh my lord, (laughs) (laughs) Mama. uh, Oh, she was. She. I mean, not the not Mama, but the mother in Mm -hmm. Mama is she? Okay, that would be well. Uh, She was in that one. uh, Was it? Oh, uh, with Tom Hardy, Lawless. uh, Oh yeah, with Shia LaBeouf. That was actually a decent movie, even with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> but yeah, she was in that. Uh, anytime you need just like a good-looking redhead, she like seems to get the role. So, uh, Madagascar three, Madagascar three. Oh wow! Well, well, yeah, I didn't but say the help so. she's really like that was like kind of I would consider it her breakout role. Um, I know she'd done a few things before that, but and then Zero Dark Thirty, she just nailed it. That you know that's right. you know that's <laughs> taking down Bin Laden, and then she plays the real 
woman and CIA woman or whatever, you know, that yeah. did, you know, worked through all this intelligence. Yeah. And and it's, but she was really, really, really good in that. And Zero Dark Thirty, not my sort of film, which is why I it's haven't seen that. It's not mine either, but if you can get into it, it is long, but it is, it's an important movie. But right. it, it's, uh... It's one you watch it and you're done with it and you don't never have to worry about watching it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> who the hell would put themselves through that again? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That kind of sounds to me like there was a trailer I saw a little while ago for a new film coming out called, I think it's just called American Sniper. Yes, I have seen uh, that. that. Yeah. that, that that's that, uh, Bradley like, Cooper. Yeah. yeah, something like that sort of thing, really, where it's going to be, you're going to see it once and then I don't know if you're going to want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, not too many people buying, uh, I hope not, on Blu-ray. You know? <laughs> oh, let's put in Schindler's List, kids. <laughs> Gather around. Yes. You're five yeah. years old, you're old enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so, I, did you write down any of the other Murphs? I think we should cover those now before we go to. I didn't else. write down the names. Okay, but, uh, uh, Mackenzie Foy was ten-year-old Murph. Yeah, did which I think she was an amazing child actress. Yeah, I did. never did can't really recall seen anything, but you really tore at your heart when you know he's trying to say goodbye to her. Yeah, and, and she's, she's just, just right. not having it. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the very well-known Ellen Burstyn, as, seasoned veteran actress, yeah. as, uh, as elderly the, Murph, as elderly Murph, yes. Yeah. Everly dying in the bed, Murph. Yes, that, that must have been a nice role. He just yes, got to lie in bed all day for twelve-hour days, lie in bed. Yeah, just keep messing up a line here and there. Just be, oh no, I've got to lie in bed a little longer. Oh dear. Do you have anyone else? I have a few other names. Uh, I'm do sure you, you do as well. well. I've written down, and now I can't read my own writing. Romilly, Lanolin, like sheep's wool. I, I don't know, it, just, it looks like I've written Romilly. Uh, that, might not, that might not be the name, but... <laughs> Who the hell is Romilly? A guy called... Did I see the same film? Yeah, yeah, that's the character name. It's played by a guy called David Giasi? G-Y-A-S-I. He, he was, I believe... Who the hell was he? <laughs> I'm fairly certain he was the guy that was killed on the water planet in the waves. Either that, or he was the guy that was up on I the space station. I think that was him. One of the two. I thought he, he was the guy up on the space station. Probably the guy up on the space station, then. I, I, I thought it was... Wait, who'd you write down? Wes? It, no, I thought Wes Bentley was the guy that was taken out by the waves. Oh, well, then he was. Wes Bentley was Doyle, then. He was okay. the guy that died on that planet. Yeah, and uh, David Yassi would be the guy who was up on the space station. Corrections department, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we just graced ourselves. And then, <laughs> yes, I just, I think, took another name off your list with the West Bentley. Yes, those were, it was odd. Those just suddenly turned out to be, like, main characters for, I think, about 20 minutes of screen time each. <laughs> <laughs> well, they lasted a little longer than that guy in Gravity who just got, you know, yeah. the, the shrapnel through his head. The, the, guy, <laughs> the guy you didn't see until after he was dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, before we get, I know you have one more name on your list. I have a couple more because I think we should save that name for last. Yeah, okay. Uh, I also wrote down Casey Affleck. Um, Casey Affleck, that Casey Affleck, that's the... older Tom. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, just <laughs> gotta mention the Affleck clan. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he's not in big, I shouldn't say bigger stuff because this was a big movie, but <laughs> bigger roles. I think he's very good most of the time in the yeah. roles that he plays. Yeah, he's yeah, he just, you know, uh, very. Utilized for the scenes he's in, like Lithgow. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm always happy, to, just like I said with John <laughs> Lithgow, I'm always happy to see him pop up, because yeah. he usually uh, does really well. Another name I have on here, just because this happens to me so many times when I'm watching an enjoyable film. Yeah, I know. Uh, so 
someone pops in there, I go, Shia LaBeouf, why the hell are you in this? <laughs> but in this case, the Shia LaBeouf of this movie was Topher Grace. <laughs> Who I've written a frowny face by, Aww. as you can attest to. <laughs> yes, I, I see it right there. It is very frowny. Next to the question, why? <laughs> Exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> I hate Topher Grace. Um, I don't know. He just Every single picture of him looks like he's just... Mm, smarmy and smirky and just like a piece of shit. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I cannot like him. Like, I just don't know. And then he, why was he even in the movie though? Like, why is that character even in the movie? Not just him. Why is that character in the movie? You don't need it I at guess, all. I guess not. No. Why does Murph need like a quasi work relationship, love relation? You know, like. Well, and Murph can do better. <laughs> I think I think the only reason he's there then is to explain why she has such a big family at the end. Because mm-hmm. it's like, otherwise it's just, she was working on the thing, we see her as old and she's got a big family. And it's like, oh, we never even saw her with anyone else. So. Yeah. Ugh. Who does he have dirt on in Hollywood <laughs> that he got that role? Uh, I don't know. For, right. <laughs> for me, my, I guess, Tobey Grace view, and not because he's a bad actor or anything, but just because he's always playing the smarmy, really smug yes, guy, exactly is smug. Um, David Franco. He's, mm. To me, he's got that face you just want to punch. Like, yeah. No, I just want to, yeah. I just want to give him a swirly. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. All right. well, and I've, then I've got two. Last. Oh, right. you have two more. I've oh, got okay. The, the robots. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, got R two D two and C three PO. Indeed. <laughs> uh, you got Case, who is the one that was it's the busted up one, right? Uh, no, uh, Case, no, no, no. Case is the one that ran the like space station. Oh, the uh, X. Or, uh, what do they call it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah. big, the, the big monolith. The endurance. Yeah. And uh, that was a guy called Josh Stewart who did the voice for that. Don't recognize yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And Tars being, I would say, the more interesting one. Yes. The one that seemed to get more screen time and more play. Yeah. Because Matthew McConaughey got fairly close in with him. Yes, the love scene was cut, thankfully. <laughs> but, yeah. That would have been both interesting and horrifying. <laughs> and probably uh, painful for at least one of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a guy called Bill Irwin. And I'm I recognize sure he's the a voice name, actor. But, yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost certain. Both he did sound like a computer voice, but <laughs> very natural. You know, I do want one of those someday. Like, yeah, yeah I, I want one of those robots. One of those robots that seem to be able to do anything. Yeah, I don't know how beams can turn into anything, but yeah. <laughs> apparently they can. Well, I, I, I was thinking about it. After and how does a film. beam step on a rock and not fall over? <laughs> you know. I'm, well, I would imagine if we are able to take someone to another planet, we can figure out a gyroscope within a beam. I, <laughs> I suppose. All right. Yeah, I won't uh, bog myself down with too much. But uh, yeah. last but not least. Last but not least, we have Dr. Man, who, which was... A nice re- movie reveal. Yes. Mad Damon. Mad Damon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now, I, I seriously, like, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I thought, is that... Matt fucking Damon. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, is Matt fucking Damon? Yeah. yeah. I guess it's... Uh, they could, they did this. They did very well of keeping that secret. Like, yeah. I didn't hear anything about this. No, no, no name anywhere in there. I didn't see any reviews or things online saying Matt Damon also has a small role or anything like that. Yeah. 
Which is good. It's always nice when you actually do have a surprise like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the biggest. One. Well, I mean, if you knew he was on the in the cast, once you're 20 minutes into the movie, or maybe half hour, you would know who he's going to be. Yeah, because he hasn't popped up yet, and they're talking about these and the, you know the Lazarus missions that went to find these other planets, and yeah, obviously oh, you're going to be able to do he's Doctor Man. So yeah. it's nice to save for that reveal when he's went down for the long nap or whatever they call it. Yeah. Well, that. I think what would be really cool would be... I also want one of those, by the way. What, the... Uh, one of the crusts. That looks comfy, too. Just nice warm water in, in a bag. And I don't... I don't know <laughs> if they specified it was warm water. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm taking my, my own take on that. But, yeah. yeah, why not? Go to sleep for a couple of years? <laughs> See what's going on. Yeah. But sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, so. that, that would work. Um, but I was saying, I think it would be really cool if they'd say... If they've got announced it. Tom Hanks was going to be in this film and his name was on the thing and then he was one of the dead scientists on the planet and all you saw was just him. Or they're just like watching Forrest Gump on the space station. Yeah, something something where they get this, kind of like what South Park wanted to do but then the agents of all of the celebrities were saying no. Which yeah. they, they wanted to get a really big celebrity in to do one of the smallest roles possible. Like, yeah. like they got George Clooney to be the voice but, of the dog. The tur- no, turkey. No, that was Jay Leno. Jay Leno was a turkey. George, George Clooney, Clooney was the dog. Uh, oh, I don't, we're going to have to solve this after. But I, I, I'm quite sure George Clooney was a turkey. Unbilled unbuil- turkey. Alright. Alright, we will look this up later, folks. There, there might be fisticuffs later. All right. <laughs> bully, bully. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I shall get my fighting trousers. Uh, let up. me swirl and wax my mustache before we, before we brawl. Alright, so, well, those are the elites of the This is the main players, yes. Yeah. So. So, what the hell was this movie about, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Alright, so. This film, I think, did very well in advertising nothing the, f- the first 30 minutes, and not even much of the first well, 30 Well, which minutes. is what I love, because we talk about, or I talk about a lot, is like how, tra- I love trailers, but at the same time, it's a two-edged sword that they often spoil the most climactic or interesting parts of a film. Yeah. And I then know. you're not as emotionally invested when you should be. Well, no, I mean, my, my biggest example of that I've said before is in The Avengers the trailer for that you saw the Hulk catching Iron Man and coming down a building and he goes up into space and it hasn't happened yet so you're like okay come on come on oh he's fallen through now and and the hope is but you're a little more uh, (laughs) diligent movie viewer than most Hello. The hope is, I think, that, oh, they're going to get wrapped up in the film and forget they ever saw that, yeah. but not me, sir. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm remembering, and I always go back to The Dark Knight, they show, like, the football field collapsing, yeah. like, in that trailer. Like, that's a huge moment of, really? like, when just Bane just kills all these people <laughs> <laughs> in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of the things of, they want to show something impressive, but... You don't mm-hmm. want them to show something impressive that would be a nice... Mm-hmm. Now, in retrospect, I would have liked a longer Man of Steel trailer. Because <laughs> that got me to see that movie. Yeah, it was a decent movie. They but, may- yeah. Maybe cut together yeah. a 30 minute trailer. They made that trailer. Like much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, trailer really is just, yeah, like... There's, I don't think there's any trailer moments. I'd have to go back and look again. Past I would say that first half hour. I would say every minutes. single trailer release was technically a teaser trailer because yeah. it just didn't give you anything. No, like we said, yeah, we do 
it was a dusty world. Yeah. And then we knew Matthew McConaughey was going to be wearing a space suit at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that was about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yes, presumable other galaxy. Mm-hmm. That, that's about all we know. Yes. Yeah. But but then again, yeah, if they had to try to even convey the slightest bit of how complex this movie is, then I think that would have been a huge turnoff for a lot of people. Oh, probably. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want to go and sit and have to think that's bad enough. I have to watch a three-hour movie. I'm not going to sit and make my brain work. You know, that would be horrible. Well, what do you think would the toughest thing to get your head around in the film? Uh, definitely um, Relativity. I have that down as my first key point here. Uh, right. Relativity. The concept of relativity. Not just... I get that things are relative based on the planet system you're in. Based on how long days are in your solar system. Or yeah. how close you are to your star. And you know, and then you know they, that first planet, how Brand really, really drops the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and they lose what, 23 years? 23 years. By yeah. being down. But screen time, it didn't seem like they were down there for like two hours or whatever. <laughs> you know? they, they weren't. <laughs> yeah, it was like nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that was something that I found a little that, odd. Yeah. Because wasn't that, it, what, one hour? Uh, or no, no, no. One um, hour, seven, seven years. Seven years. And it seemed like they were down there for like 14 minutes. <laughs> yeah, like they, they got down there. They got and, down there. And they're searching, and then And then they she realize, finds the wreckage. They find yeah. the wreckage, and then... Cooper realizes that the mountains, mountains that everyone are is mountains of water. Are not mountains. <laughs> they and are trouble. And then there's this. Yes. Oh, get out of there. Sequence, which lasts about thirty seconds. Yeah. And you cost us decades. Yeah, you cost us. And she's like, probably decades. And yeah. Like, what? You were down there for like a minute. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing I can think of is they did say that the draining process was going to take X amount of time. But the time between them saying that and them saying how much longer is like thirty seconds, we don't mm-hmm. have that was nowhere near the amount of time they said. Yeah. So, so they, it yeah, seems so like they were just years, playing very loose. You need that. at least over three hours down there. Yeah, like for, tw- for it to be twenty three years. Twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. About you know, at three, least three. Over three, three hours and about yeah. five minutes. Yeah. I think. But, so oh well, I let that slide. But uh, yeah. I mean it. It's one of those things where, with all film, if they actually show everything in real time, some films you'll be there for months. Like, yeah. it's, you don't have time for all and that. De- so. uh, definitely the hardest thing for me to wrap my he- head around, and we're jumping way ahead here, <laughs> is when he's in the constructed thir- three-dimension... The Tesseract. The, yeah, yeah. the three-dimensional world. The, th- the three-dimensional world of time. Which is yes. the fourth dimension, so that's... Yeah, that so the created by they, and yes. I'm using quotes. And so that was just a little... I mean, I know we're watching a visual media, and it has to be represented visually. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, no sense to me. I mean, very little. I don't know. What was your take on that? I enjoyed the idea that... Because obviously, uh, Tesseract, in case you don't know, is... If you've ever seen The Cube film series the second one takes place inside a tesseract and so i'd actually seen before the idea of you can go from one space to another inside this tesseract and you could actually have gone from one space to something two miles away but you've only taken three steps like i I get the Mm -hmm. idea that when you're inside something that is a fourth dimension represented in three dimensions it's not going to make complete spatial sense to you so i love the fact that they took this basically infinite space and the idea is every single 
bookshelf that you see mm-hmm. and anyone listening that hasn't seen the film is going to say what? <laughs> so, yeah. yes, um, congratulations first for getting this far and I haven't right. seen the film <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the idea is that this thing was constructed specifically for Cooper to be able to transmit data back mm-hmm. to Murph as a younger self through yeah. the use of a bookcase and done really well I think is that every time he's trying to figure out what moment he has to get to he's just going flying past rows and rows of all of these things at different moments in time I thought that was a really cool representation oh I loved it it. yeah but it is a little I didn't didn't have that much trouble following it the only thing a little bit to oh go ahead go ahead I was like the only thing that I found kind of dubious about the whole thing was I understand that they had a theme running through it that love is one of the things that can transcend space and time I do feel that using that as a final point of I'm going to know exactly where this is just because I can feel it for a present day human type thing I don't think that would actually work I think it would have been best if because as he was going along he could see like the different moments in time and a time represented in a 3D space should be relatively straightforward of you go this way, it'll be older. You go this way, it'll be younger. Just do that. <laughs> he yeah. clearly had all the time mm-hmm. in the world to yeah. do it. He can go back to any time in this thing. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how long it takes him unless they didn't even specify. Yeah, so like, that, he was that's the part there. where, yeah, I just, I, you know, I can't. It's just tough getting my mind to grasp <laughs> that he can exist in two different places along two different I guess along one timeline essentially one timeline like because he's yelling at himself stay you idiot stay yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, giving himself the message to yeah. stay I was actually wondering I understand the idea of causality and stuff where if he'd have sent a different message maybe mm-hmm. it would have changed his past mm-hmm. but rather than just say stay but why not didn't he, didn't he like, hear his daughter? Because he was there when he heard his daughter say it says stay. So yeah. why would he still give that same message when he knows it doesn't, and doesn't, it doesn't work? work. <laughs> Unless he was realizing why he was there as mm-hmm. he was experiencing that, which I don't think... I don't know but, if it was. Uh, but I guess I, I'm going to answer my own question here because Bran says, you know, you can't... You know, yes, time is relative, but it's still... You can't move into the past. Yeah. So he, he could only do what he had done. Before. I suppose, yeah, and it, and it, you could see it as him knowing what he knows now. That would have been the message he'd have sent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, yeah, so that was just him fulfilling his own destiny, I guess you could say. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> but, and I, I find it really interesting that the they, it was speculated in the film that the they is at f- humans in the future. I thought it was. Not speculated. I thought it was just flat I mean, out well, They they don't it's know the because they never actually meet any yeah. of the they. Uh-huh. But everyone's come to the conclusion that logically the only re- because this was created for yeah, they him. They need Matthew McConaughey to get these messages to Merv yeah. so that she can solve those equations. Which, yeah. which again brings into another time travel trope, and I know how much you love those. Oh, I do the, indeed. Of the predestined thing of mm-hmm. the fact that he went into space in the first place had to have happened for them to be able to send the message back to have their past selves saved from the Earth so that they could evolve into the, the part thing. where I go cross <laughs> <laughs> right, 
I find it interesting that nothing I've read seems to go into that of like the idea that this time there is time yeah. travel even if it is just using relativity to do it until the very end when there is very literal time travel yeah. through different dimensions I mean uh, <laughs> at some point I guess you have to it's not a documentary at some point you have to it's a piece of entertainment yeah and <laughs> Certain I, things aren't going to all be wrapped up in nice little bows, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I just I like that I had it as one of my notes here that you are not talked down to in this. No, 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 no. There no. are going to be people you, you that either walk understand away. it or you don't. Yeah, there will be people <laughs> that walk away from this going, as we said at the beginning, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. No, no, everyone is going to get it, and obviously, people will take different things away from it. But I enjoy the fact that Christopher Nolan, given everything he's done, he was now given the opportunity to make a real sciencey film that isn't talking down to the audience, even though they don't actually go too far into the science itself. No. And as I was reading a little before we started recording, a lot of the minutia, <laughs> a lot of the little uh, physics, uh, some things are not absolutely 100% correct, but... Unless you are an expert in one of those fields, I don't think how how that's really going to bother you. Now, um, what does that remind me of? What <laughs> film that we talked about before was that the case? Mister, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Neil can't understand uh, how a movie's entertainment. DeGrasse Tyson. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I will say he he has said that his critiques on it was not him blasting the film yeah. it's just he wanted to get the actual science out there which yeah. fair, fair enough but. but Gravity I think did a lot a lot more than other space films have in getting things right yeah just because they you know did 90% missed out on 10 it's better than like the 40% that most space movies do where it's yeah. just nonsense uh, loud explosions in space <laughs> yeah like okay yeah. which I found fairly good about this film was that any again like in Gravity any shot where you were outside in the vacuum of space there was short of any musical added stuff there were no noises unless yeah. they were in an atmosphere yeah there was score but very little else yeah very little yeah. else so I, I think that I think definitely Gravity paved the way for him to be able to bring this film out not that he well, wasn't working on it before Gravity came out mm-hmm. But I think that more people are willing to go for this sort of epic space thing now. Well, I mean, 2001 really paved the way. 2001 is Space Odyssey. (laughs) And then, uh, what was it, 2010? Yeah, 2010. Subtitle, subtitle. But, I mean, that really paved the way. Yeah, well, that was obviously the start of it. But then... You got a bunch of people trying, but not really being able to get everything right. And Mm -hmm. then Gravity came along, and it was like, "This is the smart." This is the space film, yeah. That, yeah, where you really weren't talked down to, like you were saying, and uh, yeah, it was. So what? I guess I'm interested to know then if you had to pick between Gravity and Interstellar. As far as like, what do you? What is the scenario? I have an afternoon to watch one or something. Yeah, or? It, uh, you, you <laughs> okay? You were going to show to someone that hasn't seen either of them. Hasn't seen one of them. film. Which one would you go with? Uh, whew. 
<laughs> you know, I... Because I know my answer. tough. I think I'm going gravity. Yeah. Uh, I think it's ultimately a little more uplifting. Shorter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like half the time, isn't it? It's like a, like a 93 minutes I, or I something. I think it's an hour or, and a half, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, not, and it's all so fast-paced. Not, not that I would say, for me at least, this film didn't feel like it's runtime. No, 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 no. But... I also think, you know, gravity's a little easier to get your head around. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, all, I mean the movie, not the... Because <laughs> gravity in this film is a little harder to get your head around. Yeah. <laughs> the gravitational anomalies and all that. And how gravity, I, that also is what they use to transcend the dimensions, right? The gra- yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that gravity can, can, yeah. can affect time that much mm-hmm. and... Through that, given that time is itself a dimension, that they oh, were yes. able, to, I guess, the future selves mm-hmm. were able to use that and the equation, I guess. Oh, this <laughs> is totally off off <laughs> the mark. But I know a, um, a podcast we both listened to, Skeptic's Guide. Have yeah. you re- recently or listened to the most recent episode uh, the one, where the they one talk about the out. clocks? Um, I oh, don't yeah. know what they're using about the clocks, but these clocks are so precise that if one is hanging like a few inches above another. The gravitational pull on those clocks will affect their yeah. accuracy. Like, they will be different. And that is just incredible to me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one that if it stayed in the same point in space for six, what was it, six million years, it would not go out of time. It I think it was five going. billion. Was it, was it five billion? Five billion, but yeah. obviously, like uh, Rebecca on the podcast said, you need to change the batteries. Because yeah. <laughs> <A little laughs> but, we don't have a battery that'll last yes. five billion years. Yes, but, but, uh, but the... Ability to keep time would stay. So that's yeah, but that was just yeah. Sorry, I just found that fascinating. No, yeah, it, had to throw that out there. Well, I I've always been really interested in like relativity and stuff like that. Like the idea of when you get on a plane and fly across the ocean, when you yeah, land, when you, you fly are that international yeah, yeah dateline. Yeah, when well, no, not even that. Just if you get on a plane, go up yeah. and you fly for I think it's six hours and land. When you land, you have lived point zero zero three seconds less than the people that have stayed on the ground. Yeah, you were younger. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which, unless you live on Think an airplane... Think about all those people, uh, frequent flyers, yeah, how yeah. young they are. Yeah, if you live on an airplane <laughs> for your entire life, and you might live an extra couple of hours. Like, <laughs> Who knows, it could add up, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, it's one of those things of the fact that you're higher up and faster... Exactly. Yeah. Like, slower. You're, yeah. The slower, so, lower you get to there, slower. Yeah. So the faster you move, slower. Faster uh, you're going, yeah. and the more or less gravity mm-hmm. that you have will affect how you perceive mm-hmm. time. So, I, I love that idea that you know if you go to a planet near a black hole and come back, fifty years might have gone by, and you'll have, you've only been there a day. Like it's something that I would. I almost wish at some point in my life I could experience that yeah. but I don't want to say put other people through that like I'm going mm-hmm. you will probably be dead when I get back yeah, exactly <laughs> I'm going to look pretty much the same yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I might meet your old grandchildren someday yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it's that's, like if I guess that's the point of a time machine of being able to go back mm-hmm. and forth but yeah. obviously for us given the dimensions we live in Currently, mm-hmm. let's not rule out mm-hmm. evolution and advancements. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that we're never going to be able to go back, as mm-hmm. far as we know. So. Well, that's. I think uh, I didn't want to jump into this just yet. Um, maybe I'll just <laughs> bring it up and hopefully maybe we can just get back to it or circle around. But uh, right. 
one, what you brought up there, not wanting to maybe necessarily do that, I think the one of the best points this movie raised was that we need to stop thinking about our own interpersonal relationships yeah. and start thinking as a species. Yeah, that, that Start thinking as be... a species that wants to survive. Yeah. Well, that is uh, the Dr. Man character. He He's basically there to lay it out for the audience, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. is that the character of Professor Brand... He has this equation, and he says, I'm going to be working on this equation, and if I finish this, we can lift this entire space station off the Earth, and we'll be able to save everyone. However, you guys are basically your plan B. We need you to go and see if there are other worlds we can Mm -hmm. colonize. And then when they get there and they find Dr. Man... Is the same time that Professor yeah, Brand... And they took the Jurassic Park DNA thing with them. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to have T-Rexes and raptors and, <laughs> and little babies. <laughs> so yeah, so, so they, when Professor Brand dies, he admits that he actually solved the equation several decades before, and he realized that it wasn't possible. Yeah. And so, so, yes, plan B is plan A. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Not, yeah, not only is plan B plan A, but no one else is going to come. <laughs> and so, like, it's more of a... Like, like we're cutting our losses with Earth. Yeah, you, you guys are it. And the only reason that they are there is they weren't told that. Yeah. Because no one would have gone. No one would have gone having, yeah, those personal connections yeah. with the daughter or a loved, you know, a loved one, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And, and it, yeah. if you think about it, if the anomaly had turned out to just be an anomaly and it actually wasn't mm-hmm. from the future, this would have had an even more depressing ending in that it would have just ended with Amelia Brand on that planet needing to raise the human race by herself. (laughs) That would have been it. Yeah. That's a bit of a doubter. That's also why I'd go with gravity because, you know, you got her stepping on that beach. It's uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Which I still, I think we brought it up in the podcast where we talked about gravity, but how much of the end of that film was actually real and how much was just in her head I think it's 100% real well, so. that's the thing depending on how you want to yeah. take it which, yeah, I which guess again it, is I guess it, if you're half full glass guy or yeah. half empty glass <laughs> I, I'm perfectly fine going with either like I, yeah. I, I can see it both ways and I like the fact that you had to actually think about it mm-hmm. for a minute to go well yeah. which one was it so yeah. that's I do fun. like you know amongst the sea of usual bullcrap that finds its, permeates its way into the box office and theaters yeah. that we are in recent history being presented with some movies that challenge us and some movies that actually make you think and make us have these conversations afterwards which is beyond yeah. the movie we're not talking about the movie right now we're no, talking we're about concepts and yeah. you know yeah and, and, I, and we're I'm, not even qualified to really talk no, about no absolutely not none of my doctorates cover this field <laughs> Which, which is a note I've actually written down here as well. Like if this brings new interest towards space exploration, towards physics, no, I, stuff like that. I did have like Brilliant. a crazy idea at the end of the movie, like of future generations. Like I know this is completely absurd, but not out of the realm of possibility. Future generations could point to this as a key point in to what motivated this film yeah. and what motivated us into really starting to think about... Well, not Earth being our home, but <laughs> being like we are always in transition. Like we, you know, save the species, not the planet. These series, I mean, we're actually past that point where we. Yeah. Just... <laughs> well, 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 that's the thing. I can't remember where I read it, but the planet is fine. 
it's what we do us, to it. It's, it's us <laughs> on the planet well, yeah. that is in jeopardy. Well, yeah, because we are a parasite, so we need to move basically and we, consume yeah. resources wherever we go. Yeah, and if we got wiped out in a mass extinction event, the Earth would be absolutely fine. <laughs> the Earth would end yeah. up going back to normal. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that would happen is we wouldn't be around anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we left Earth, guess what? The Earth would be absolutely fine <laughs> and we'd go <laughs> well, back to normal. Yeah, there's an episode of the Blacklist, obviously, it's a show I've been watching, but uh, where one of the radicals, one of the people that they want to take down, he's an environmentalist, but to the extreme, he right. wants to exterminate the human race so that the Earth can live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So I've it's seen, along those lines, yeah. I've heard of the idea of things like that. Yeah. yeah. That's extreme environmentalism. That is, that is very extreme environmentalism. <laughs> Let's kill all of us so that <laughs> polar bears and sea lions and dogs and all that can live. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and bears. Yeah. Now, jumping back into the film, this is a very random thing, and I asked you before if you seen Moon because I wanted to bring it up. Yes. It's something that the very first time they got onto the space station... When they docked... You're talking then, moon now? No, um, this is in Interstellar. Interstellar. So they, they go up and they dock on the space station and they're about to go down for their nap thing. And so yeah. like one of them goes up into, I guess, an observational area or yeah. something. The first time I saw that, I was like, did they just steal the set of moon for that? Like, it's been the, so long since I've seen moon, I don't know. That didn't... Was like they, uh, where he goes to watch the videos, mm-hmm. like he goes around this thing, climbs up a ladder, and sits in a chair and watches a computer right there. And so this guy, when he's going to the observation, he comes around this thing, he goes up a ladder, and he sits in a chair to look out the window. It's... Like, I saw that, I was like, we stepped in the It could have been considered an homage or, you know, a yeah. tribute or something. I know that Christopher Nolan was drawing on pretty much every space film out yeah. there for this type of thing. Like, all of the the robots, Tars and Case, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but they're very monolith-like, like, like mm-hmm. 2001, or A Message from Space Again, and... I'm sure Gravity had a hand in it, I don't know what exactly, but <laughs> you never know. And so it, I would like to think that maybe he recreated just that one shot and be like, ah, see, see if anyone gets this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. But I don't think I have anything else written down, but I've heard from a couple of different sources that a lot of people feel that the middle part of this film just kind of dragged um, I did want to say I did like seeing Mike Damon pop, uh, like pop up in this movie but the whole I was really really bored with like them fighting on Hoth as you know <laughs> essentially like rolling around in their spacesuits. it just seemed overly predictable and that, well, that was only one of us is going to save the world and you know yeah uh, it's the one that believes in it enough yeah and starts punching his helmet and how, if he's cracking his helmet with it, how or is he not well, suffering any damage on his helmet? From what I know of yeah, <laughs> physics, yeah. you're, that energy is going... It, both ways. Yeah, both ways there. Well, it, I guess it depends on where he was hitting the helmet yeah. and where he was on what part of his helmet he was yeah. using to hit with. Uh-huh. Because if you get closer to the join, that's mm-hmm. stronger than right in the middle. So... Yeah. Uh, and also, we can we can make those rob- robots, but we can't have a, a visor that's not glass <laughs> or something. <laughs> that's not you know some sort of softer material that 
Oh, yeah, it it has rigidity, but not, yeah, but can flex. It's human nature. I mean, if it works, it's not normally challenged that much, I think. But to answer your question, that that was a part where I was a little, kind of tuned out a little bit. I'm just just waiting for that scene to be over so we could get back to the story. Yeah, I I saw a review that I, I didn't even think about it until he said it, which was that we have all of this technology... We got out into space, we went through an anomaly, we're in a different galaxy around a planet near a black hole. And what happens? Fisticuffs. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we deal with our problems on this other planet. Mm. We have a little fight. Like, why is that the way that it went in this cerebral Mm -hmm. film? But I do understand that that scene is showing the idea of human nature is to survive and each each person there had a different opinion of what to do to survive and this guy just knew I had to kill you and then get away That's uh, and then go to the other planet and that is how the race will survive and I'm all for that whereas obviously yeah. Cooper uh. is less in that realm due to his as Dr. Mann says in the film, due to his feelings of connection to his family back home, that's what's kind of in his eyes holding him back. (laughs) So, I don't know. Other parts, I talked to Paul briefly, like how it's a lot of these movies set up like this have two storylines or follow two storylines. You have the The A plot and the B plot. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the space travel storyline and then the B plot of some of those scenes when they cut back to. I was just like, get back to space, get back to space. You know, like I don't need to see Casey Affleck arguing with his wife or whatever. You know, or yeah, it just wasn't on par with what I was seeing in the other storyline. You know, not yeah. by a long stretch. Yeah, I mean, but uh, up until getting into the third act, then yeah. when they started intercutting, when that beautiful Hans Zimmer score with the the <laughs> organs really escalating and they're cutting in between, I, I believe it was the scene where he's trying to dock with the damaged endurance. Yeah, and then they're intercutting with back on Earth, and th- that was a very uh, that was good. I would say <laughs> amped up, just energetic, got the emotional <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> juices flowing there. And but it, normally, I was bored with that storyline. Well, I think that to deal with the, the two storyline thing is, given that we saw messages from Earth, I think that with the exception of showing them trying to get. Cooper's son's family out I don't think you could have done that through video messages but I think that what they could have done would be to have had the people working on the equation film themselves and kind of send that along with messages to be like this is where we are type thing and then that could be our in to that world without having to just cut to them and then we we could have the TV screen with them watching it in the bottom right and then the window with the other world or something in the face so we could have like the best of both at the same time and I completely forgot what the other point I was going to make was so let's keep (laughs) talking we'll be back to that (laughs) keep talking it'll come back how did you like the use of the talking heads I really loved it I thought it was good like at first because you don't know in what context those interviews are no not until like very close to the end yeah so I really loved the documentary feel that gave it yeah very I think I think it lent a lot of credibility or legitimacy 
to the happenings. Yeah. Um, I did wonder when they were going to come back to that because it opened with that. Yeah. And then like, I mean, the story it, I mean, it's like started. World War Two veterans being interviewed or something, talking about you know lying in mud or something. But yeah, it's just like this very earnest interviews. I don't know. Did you do any research on that at all? I, I want to know. Like, are those just actors, or because it feels like they're talking about the Dust Bowl? You know, like the night. You know, well, I, in, in I, the United States, the Dust Bowl. I think they're actors, and but it's very well acted then in that yeah, case because really? it felt like they were just speaking from their hearts. Like, oh, we'd put our plates upside down, and you know, this is how we lived our lives. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be interesting if it weren't. <laughs> actors, the the way that they were talking, I do like that. You got absolutely no inkling of the fact that they weren't on Earth. Like mm-hmm. you didn't know if they had escaped Earth or if they'd solved the problem mm-hmm. on Earth or anything like yeah. that. So I think again that was well done setting up that these are people talking about it and at the beginning you don't know if they're talking about the future or if they're talking about the past, like you said. And then at the end you still when you start to realise they're solving it, you still don't know if they went away from Earth and then came back or if they let like Yeah, I do have a lot of questions about what happened with Earth because they kinda leave that open. I, like Brand is over on the um, what's his name Edmonds or whatever her dead boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> sure. I say that very very sentiment with a well, lot of sentiment. Let's go with that. Yeah. yeah, dead boyfriend's planet. So she's setting up the colony there. Murph is going to meet up with her how? or not Murph Coop. Yeah, I mean yeah. Coop, Coop. And how? That's something I was going to say. Yeah. The, the, they've said the anomaly is gone. How is he going to get yeah, there? But, so anyway, what is going on with Earth? What is Earth is still doomed, right? Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or did she solve? I don't know. She did the Eureka thing, yeah. and so how how did that save Earth? Well, <laughs> I can grow more corn now. Is uh, that? Well, two things. <laughs> Number one, if she was going traditional, she would have ran naked <laughs> doing that. Mm. Number two, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Number two is that. At no point in the film are they ever trying to save Earth. They just know that if they stay on Earth, they won't be able to well, survive. Well, save the people on Earth, yeah. I guess, yes. So, they save so they're the all going race. to. So, should we naturally assume they're all going to be leaving in those ships at some point? I, or? I don't know, because I, I think the idea is that they have managed to get the population of Earth onto this other place. And... I would assume that if they did that, then there must be others like that around there. So I imagine that the population of Earth is now no longer on Earth. They're now on those different stations and stuff. And that Earth is doing what it would do best, like kind of resetting, I guess. So Mm -hmm. maybe in several million years, humankind can go back to Earth or move on to other planets, whichever whichever the leaning is, I guess. I suppose... I did have another uh, thing that struck me. Maybe you can straighten me out on this one. <laughs> I can't remember that one member of the crew is giving the experiment we've all seen when if we've watched any kind of science program or talking about wormholes where they draw a line on the paper yep. and the, the circles. And okay, so if you you've ever seen Donnie Darker as well, <laughs> point A to point B, you know, it's you have to go to the line, but you can fold the paper and get right through, and you poke the pencil or the pen through the thing, and you sh- you demonstrate that. And that's the and idea said, of warping space. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, but in a three-dimensional world, a circle is going to be a sphere. Yep. Could it not be a cylinder? That is also a three-dimensional shape. True. <laughs> I, I will accept that. that fine. <laughs> However, as you can see, he was taking the very base thing of 
the three-dimensional triangle mm-hmm. is basically a pyramid. Yeah. A three-dimensional square is a cube. Yeah. A three-dimensional circle is seen to be a sphere. The idea... Yeah. The, the idea but if you're looking at that sphere head-on, yeah. without anything, that could still be a cylinder. I think the idea is that the two-dimensional shape that we're seeing is a cross-section yeah. of the three-dimensional shape, which... Could be a cylinder or could be a circle. Yeah, that think, just seemed think, to be, that just seemed to be a little bit of movie magic writing, where like we're just supposed to accept that, yeah. and I'm like, well, that doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, and but, I I think based on what little I know, it would be that if you take a cross section at any point of this three dimensional shape, that's what it would look like. Whereas if you took a cross section diagonally or like yeah. straight on of a cylinder it wouldn't look quite like that it would be a long line so okay alright <laughs> had to get that out there um, <laughs> real quick lastly I, I also wanted to talk this is things I think that I bring up in these a lot as the score I'm just really musically inclined I thought this is one of the best scores I've heard in a long time in a film at least not just on its own, like how beautiful it was, but in serving the suspense and yeah. the <laughs> emotional aspects of the film. I mean, there are a lot of very, teary, if Paul wasn't made of stone, teary-eyed <laughs> moments. <laughs> I don't know. Did you get a little moisture on the eyes in this? Once. Once. <laughs> Ooh, now I get to guess when this might be. I, I think you probably got through the video messages early on just fine. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I will say right now, I'm not going to say what it is if he doesn't guess it, but if he guesses it, I will say it. So oh, damn. All right. <laughs> I would say, like, the score was always serving those moments really, really was, well. The score was really good. Yeah. yeah. I, and just those pipes and those organs and just, oh, it just <laughs> fit perfectly. But my other guess is going to be when he's saying goodbye to old Murph. No. Damn it! <laughs> well, I didn't say I only get two guesses. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'll, I'll give you one more guess. I'll one more one guess. More. I don't even know. Oh, man. You know what? I guess I'm just going to have to think back, and maybe we'll, that'll just be between Paul and I. All right. All right. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to note the score. Um, Hans Zimmer always knocks it out of the park. Yeah, no exception his, here. He's sort of becoming the new... John Williams type thing where like he's popping up here and there and just doing really good work and obviously John Williams has such a wide mm-hmm. catalogue but Hans Zimmer it does seem like he's getting all those jobs where he can just do some really nice work mm-hmm. solid linking it and especially as you said before I don't remember if we recorded it or not mm-hmm. that he was given a one page thing with yeah, absolutely no plot he was no giving no script no plot details yeah and was able to come up with a score that just feels like muscle on bone it feels it feels attached yeah. you, you can't separate the film from the score I, I can only imagine he was handed a description of something along the lines of we need something that evokes mm-hmm. a father feeling sad we need something that yeah. <laughs> like that, that and, can and he was also I think told not to go heavy strings which we see in a lot of epic movies and space <laughs> films uh, very orchestral with the, well, the idea uh, violins the, the magistry and the, of the, space I yeah. Guess, yeah but using these church organs and stuff it was <laughs> just incredible it's one of the things of whoever designed church organs mm-hmm. did a very very good <laughs> job at creating an instrument that can have such depth 
do it. It's <laughs> ominous and it's powerful. And I mean, it's, I yeah. understand that's kind of yeah. the point. Yeah, feel God. You feel God in here, yeah. <laughs> but still, you don't see them used very often because there aren't that many things where they could be used effectively. No. But something like this, yeah, it did quite well. I, I do think an opportunity was missed for the closing credits. Mm-hmm. How incredible would it have been for Huey Lewis's Power of Love <laughs> to play over the credits. Because, come on, that's kind of the theme of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you better promise me I'll get back in time. And he gets back in time. Right. And, you know, people would be like, they just see, they just experience this movie and then be like, is this Huey fucking Lewis? <laughs> come on. Somebody make a YouTube video, please, for me. <laughs> Power of Love <laughs> over the credits. Oh, like, it starts, and you see Cooper in the ship, and then at one point, it just goes, with a little bit of fire coming out of it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. a nice little mm-hmm. nod to another film. I mean, obviously, that would, only, that would only happen if Christopher Nolan loved Back to the Future and wanted to shove it in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't even think that. <laughs> like, this ruined my movie. My serious, awesome, complex space movie with a little Back to the Future joke. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, they really could have marked it a different way with including the line this is heavy and then have the doc response somewhere in there yeah. is there a problem with the gravitational force? <laughs> like, what never mind never mind uh, oh boy yeah that's all I had Paul oh I did want to say um, this would be once this is out triple feature I might have to change it to quadruple feature but you know if you ever get fired or you get dumped I think a great afternoon or a great day would be 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah, that, that's good first because it's the it's, I think toughest to get through. It's slow, yeah, uh, very slow paced. It is. It's um, very slow, <laughs> but it's so visually stunning. Oh, oh, that then, that reminds me. I was waiting for it, and it never happened. The whole "What are you doing, Dave?" Oh, like, yeah, how yeah, did yeah. how did all of yeah, how did a little too off the nose. But yeah, two thousand one. Then I think second would be Interstellar, and then wrap it up with Gravity. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good timeline. Huh? If if you can get if you have a spare eleven hours, <laughs> but you know, yeah. might throw Moon in there. Uh, yeah, interchange uh, one of those out for Moon. How about how about take out two thousand one, put in Moon? No, no, keep keep two thousand one because that's kind of like your, your that, base like said, for the yeah. time thing. And then go with Moon, Interstellar, Gravity. Moon, Interstellar, yeah, right in there. Yeah, yeah. Because then I think because you've got two thousand one, which is. Yeah, you know, obviously, then going out find the monolith, moon, which is uh, human mining on the moon for resources, interstellar, which is that wasn't enough, and then gravity is just like the kind of uplifting final. Yeah, just uh, just an exciting ninety minute space adventure. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you could always maybe throw maybe throw gravity in. Uh, in between 2001 and Moon just to get you excited for watching a film again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just a quick 90 minute just exciting fest thing. Or something. Yeah. And then Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spaceballs right at the end. Right at the end. Have a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I'm, I'm talked out on Interstellar, Paul. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I could probably go on I'm for sure a little while longer. But yeah, but what do you, did you have something else there? Nothing that I want to really bore. All right. <laughs> the listeners with, I'm sure we could talk a little bit longer afterwards. Uh, but if anyone does want to talk to us about this or anything else, they really or do. Or if there are any uh, uh, smarter persons than ourselves, too, where, you know, that could help 
explain things better or yeah, explain Neil. things to us. <laughs> Neil, Neil, reach out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us what they got right, what they got wrong, um, or what your takes on it are. Or if you, um, I would say the uh, the English version of Neil deGrasse Tyson, you got uh, Professor Brian Cox. Please do contact oh, yeah. us at any point. Yes, Love please. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. I think that does it for me. <laughs> I'm wrapped up, yeah. All right, well, I've been Paul. And I've been Brian. See you guys. Bye.